This is Listen Up ODK Leaders, a podcast about leading in the 21st century. Our focus is collegiate leaders and leadership, but we welcome everyone. This episode is sponsored by Tribute. For birthdays, celebrations, and graduations, give the most meaningful gift of all, a Tribute video. Welcome back for another episode of Listen Up ODK Leaders. This is part two of our series, Inclusive Outreach. I'm your host, Stephen Dominey. This month, we are bringing you a two-part series in which we explore the importance of inclusivity with ODK members Brandon Bell and Mini Cadillo. In part one, Deconstructing Bias, our guest helped us identify our bias and teach us to deconstruct them as the first step in developing more inclusive membership and societies. Now in part two, Advocating for Change, our guests will explore how to become champions for inclusive change, how to find ways to build consensus without animosity, and how to develop communities of care and embrace all perspectives. The U.S., the world, and specifically ODK are called to change how we address diversity, inclusion, and equity. This is a two-part series where we'll examine the concept of inclusive outreach as a way to meet those challenges. Welcome back to Manny Cadillo and Brandon Bell. Why don't both of you introduce yourself again for our listeners? Hello, my name is Manny, and I live here in Washington, D.C. I was inducted into the University of Southern California's ODK Circle. And for the past 10 years, I've worked on education at the federal government level. And also for many years, I've been working on the organizing and educational issues here in Washington, DC. And hello folks, my name is Brandon Bell. I'm a representative or member rather of the UNC Wilmington Circle of Armacon Delta Kappa. I'm gonna serve as a diversity, equity and inclusion facilitator and consultant. Happy to be here today. So as we navigated in the last episode, the voice is a powerful component for change and activism. How else can individuals advocate for change? I think a way that individuals can advocate for change is knowing that they don't have to do it by themselves. I think sometimes we feel that we have to take charge in order to make change on our college campuses, but that's not the case. Know that if you have a a situation you're, you're facing, most likely someone else also has, may be facing something similar. And so I think that's very important to know is that while your voice is indeed powerful, while your, while your experiences and your testimony um, is indeed um, impactful, there's greater impact when you work together. So I think that's, that's one way to, to amplify that. I, I agree with Manning. I think one of the biggest misnomers about advocating for change is that it has to look a certain way. Um, and I think everyone's at a different place and space in their, in their advocacy journeys, right? Um, so for some folks, advocating for change could be just having a difficult conversation with a family or friend Um, who maybe has a view that isn't the most inclusive, right? Um, For other folks, it might be getting with, you know, other leaders in Omicron Delta Kappa and organizing an educational series, right? Or maybe organizing some kind of demonstration to raise an issue. Um, But regardless, I think it's just important to recognize that you want to advocate in a space that you're comfortable um, and recognizing that you're really advocating when you're seeking to create a change and maybe challenging a system, but also know that that challenge can show up in different ways and the way in which Mandy might challenge the system for the same issue that I might challenge can be radically different, but we need those different approaches to really get that groundswell of momentum. We'll explore that in a moment when we come back from our short break. Listen up, ODK student leaders. Each year, Omicron Delta Kappa awards more than 30 scholarships for graduate and professional study. This year, ODK has designated two scholarships to benefit applicants who are African-American, Latino, Hispanic, or Native American, and two scholarships to benefit applicants who identify as LGBTQ+. The scholarship application opens on December 1, 2020. For more information, 
visit www.odk.org. For birthdays, celebrations, and graduations, give the most meaningful gift of all, a tribute video. Tribute makes it easy to create a collaborative video for any occasion. Simply invite your friends, collect their videos, and build your tribute. Learn more at studenttribute.com forward slash ODK. We're back talking with Brandon and Manny. So thinking to a couple of the points that you just made, as individuals, we recognize the diversity of thought is a very valuable piece to learning and growing as, in, as people, as groups, as communities. So how can we utilize the diversity um, to effectively work through to be advocates for change? So looking at the idea of diversity of thought, how do we utilize that to effectively work together to be advocates for change? Yeah, I, I, I can um, start. I think the diversity of thought idea is a little, can be a little tricky, right? Um, because as, as Manny mentioned um, in the last webinar, um, diversity of thought is present as a result of diversity of identities, experiences, and backgrounds, right? And it's, it's those things that really change the way in which I think and my ideas and how I show up, how I perceive. Um, and I recognize that in higher ed, sometimes the thoughts that we are presented with in curriculum typically represent a dominant group, right? So a lot of the thoughts and a lot of the material that we're engaging might not be representative of like people of color, women, queer identified folks, folks from other nationalities, right? And there's so many other ways in which people have thought over time. I mean, I think sometimes in higher ed, we can get locked into a more Western way of thinking, right? Which could really, again, unbeknownst to you, be a basis for your bias. Um, so I think one of the things that's really important about thinking about diversity of thought is actually recognizing that the first step to advocacy is actually saying, hey, maybe this could be done a different way. Um, and sometimes the diversity of thought starts in, a, in the idea that, oh, maybe this process isn't serving us anymore. So to Manny's point in the last episode, um, the ways, the things that were innovative 100 years ago might not serve us anymore, right? Um, so how can we necessarily just change the ways in which we think um, and recognizing that just engaging in an intellectual space can be the foundation to challenging other biases and really leveraging diversity of thought for more positive change. In addition, is when, you, when you're advocating, is also who's in that circle, who's, who's participating in this circle. And so I think what, how you become more, more powerful, how you, how you engage in creating power to create that change is by who you, who you laying in. And so if, you, if you're closed-minded because they say, well, this is only my issue and I don't want people who have similar issues who, or who look like me to be part of that, then you're not gonna get much change or not much, you're gonna, or the impact might not be as much as you, thought, as you think. But if you're able to, to grow and allow more people to come in and be a part of, of whatever action that you plan to take, I mean, you're, 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 you're opening yourself up to a diverse thought of action a diverse thoughts of, of relationships that people may have that you may not have. Um, and I think you give yourself more, you give your all collectively more power. But I think also when you're creating that change, it's also, you know, it's, it, you know, here ODK, you know, we, we, we help uh, recognize leaders, but sometimes in leadership, leadership sometimes also stepping back and letting those who've been more affected by a policy, who've been more, negatively affected by a policy or negatively affected by, by something by a curriculum or something to take the lead in action in that. And we, it, it, who may not be as affected as much, but feels it needs to be changed, to be supporters in that. And I think that's one way you, you bring in that diversity of thought 
to bring in um, to make to make those moves to change. There's definitely power in change. So recognizing I heard you both loud and clear in the ability to work together to build coalition, collaboration, and creating effective communities. One of the things I think about is growing up, I remember um, a quote by Margaret Mead. It says, never doubt a small group of thoughtful, committed citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. So how can people come together to build effective coalitions for change? How are we seeing that manifest today? And what are ways that maybe people have not thought of coalition and how they could really build those in more effective manners? First thing that comes to mind is that let's keep let's keep in mind that change can feel and can feel and occur slowly, um, but it is always happening. And I think sometimes we can say, hey, you know, well, I've been working for this for a semester, I've been working for this for a year, and I'm still not seeing the kind of change or the breakthrough and change that I was hoping for. Um, I think it's just really important to recognize that the changes that are oftentimes systemic and long-lasting might take a little bit of momentum and inertia to really get it to that point where it is actually going to be a monumental change. So just really thinking through um, as we seek to organize, are we committed to the long game? Are we committed to recognizing that sometimes it's going to take multiple conversations and it might take smaller iterative steps before we get to a larger change or overhaul in the process? Um, and then also making sure that we're seeking to organize folks across root causes or issues, you know? I mean, sometimes organizing with all intent to be productive can be divisive, you know? Um, but I, I encourage people to organize across differences and challenge biases across difference to address root causes. So to Manny's point, whether it's race, religion, sexual orientation, if there's a policy that the root disenfranchises those groups, galvanize around that root cause, right? Recognize the differences and see how it shows up and how it might affect folks differently, but don't let your differences in the effects stop you from recognizing that it's a root system, a root cause that creates that disenfranchisement or creates that, that ism to begin with. Um, just to be clear, like the root cause, is, I guess to not use the word in the definition, it's kind of like the, the crux or kind of like the basis, the start of what an issue might be, you know? Um, so to use a good example, um, we could think about recruitment processes, right? We're looking at an organization and we're seeing that it's homogenous across a certain identity, right? Maybe it's not about saying we need to get a certain percentage of this group and a certain percentage of that group. And if we get more of this group, it throws off the balance. But it's to say, what about the recruitment process in and of itself is stopping diversity from being present in the pool? So it's less about saying, oh, I gotta, you know, I gotta get gotta get more women, or we gotta make sure more career identified students are involved. It's to say, what about the system doesn't attract them, right? And then more importantly, what about the process might disenfranchise them? So as they're going through it, they might say, hey, I thought this was really cool, but this navigating the process is hostile. I don't know if membership in this group is, is gonna be the best thing for me, right? So again, as opposed to looking at the, the outcomes, really look at the root of, of what might be causing the issue. I think also when we're looking to create effective change is that, you know, when you begin organizing. And, and like I said, and when I said earlier in regards to organizing power, power necessarily isn't a negative thing. And it, it's just, it's just a, it's just a notion that, that we face. Um, you know, a college administrator is gonna have, is gonna have power. The, the chairperson of the, of the faculty senate has, has their power based off the duties that they have. You know, it's like their authority that they have. Um, but also, I think the student body also has power. And I think I, think, I don't see it as a, as a negative thing to, to crush somebody. I don't think that's, that's the whole point. Mm -mm. At the end of the day, we wanna be able to, to have 
you know, what we would like to have change. But we also need to have power behind it. If not, people are just not going to listen to us or, or worse yet, they may just give us, um, you know, a flimsy, a flimsy action and saying, oh, something that's just a facade and it really doesn't change anything. It may look good, not, it may look nice on a press release, but does it actually change anything in the campus? No, not really. Good point, Manny. Power dynamics are always important in advocating for change. We'll dig into a little bit deeper after this message. You are experiencing Listen Up ODK Leaders, presented by Omicron Delta Kappa, the National Leadership Honor Society. ODK recognizes and encourages superior leadership and exemplary character. The ODK ideals are scholarship, service, integrity, character, and fellowship. To learn more about our mission and our organization, go to www.odk.org. A tribute video is a perfect way to celebrate and recognize milestones, birthdays, graduations, and membership in ODK. Tribute makes it easy to create a personalized video message. Simply invite your friends, collect their videos, and build your tribute. Learn more at studenttribute.com forward slash ODK. We're back talking with Brandon and Manny. And so I think in regards to, to I think what we want to do is we, we want to ensure that, that, that our students have influence. There you go. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll have, we use that word influence, sounding influence in order to, to, to make those changes to, um, to the administrators or to the faculty or to, uh, or to whoever whole is, is, you know, in, has the power to make changes in regards to a policy or curriculum um, or, or, or something, or, 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 or those who have the authority to manage the policy. For instance, if you, if you have things in regards to, to campus security and so forth. But I think when it comes to, to making effective change, you know that there are processes. And, and I think it's, it's I mean, not to say that these policies processes is gonna lead to this exact change, but I think it does give a, 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 a one roadmap, I would say, that, that students could use in, in, their, in their circles, or if they decide to advocate, um, with with other groups in their campuses or even campuses, if they're I mean, it's not even just one college campus. Maybe it's the system, you know, like um, like like the state system of of these community colleges or the state system of universities. You know, it could be that too. But I think is that you know you're always looking to create create a core team um, of advocates that are able to to do this together and be able to expand that network. Um, in, in regards to in regards to, you know, we usually call them house meetings, but these could just be, you know, in your dorms, in your residence halls, um, just to, just seeing like, what are just some of those top issues that, 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 that face, that you face in this, in this campus? What are some of the top issues that, that you feel, you know, needs to be changed because it's neg- negatively affecting you or somebody you know in, in the campus? Um, and be able to share those, identify those shared issues. And I think one important thing too, in regards to, to making change is to, it's okay to do research actions. It's okay to, to go and talk to folks to learn more about like, well, what's, what is the system? Who's driving this system? Who are the, who are the people? Cause I think that helps us, that helps us out. Cause sometimes some actions just go to the president's office, but you know, you may never know that maybe you could get somewhere to, to it's a, with the provost or, or, or someone in that level, or even below that level, you just try to find out like, who has the levers of power that you're looking at so you could go to those folks, make your make the the ask and the demands for that to be changed. And of course, you know, you always want to once you do that, you always want to create kind of like a 
um, that, that action, whatever that may be, you know, that could be petitions, that could be, um, you know, you know, everyone, you know, calling the person, um, what are the things, you know, you decide that the group decides that there's no one way or the other, it could be one action or two actions. And then seeing what is the reaction from that? What was the reaction from the person who, who's controlling those levers, you know, responding to that public action. And of course, then it's the lessons learned. You learn like, all right, what did we learn? What did we, what, what worked? What didn't work? And how can we go, how can we do this better? And then we, then you redo it again. And I think, I think by, I think the, way I'm, the reason I'm, show, I'm sharing this is because I want, I want our, our, our students who are listening to know that there is there are these processes that you could use. So you don't have to think of like, I have to start from scratch that there are processes you could use in order to make the effective changes you would like to make on your campus. Yeah, yeah I just wanna kinda, you know, thank you for sharing that, Manny. I wanna kinda just revisit the idea of power. And I really like what Manny said, it's not about necessarily having dominance over another person or another group when you're advocating, but it's more about making sure that you're empowering people to show up to support a cause, right? Empowering people to know there's multiple ways in which they can engage with each other to build a to build a positive wave or iteration of change. And it's really about just recognizing that your power really shows up in your concerted, continuous and collective action, right? So it's just really making sure that folks are, are working in tandem, aligned to a shared issue or cause. And then to Manny's point, engaging in the appropriate actions at the appropriate stages to really make sure that it's moving forward in the way in which you might like. So thinking about this in a way that maybe, because let's be real, some people want to do the research as, as you both have suggested, what would be a great example of a coalition or group of committed advocates who are really creating change in a way that is productive, effective, um, that students could um, learn from? Well, I'll give you some examples. I'll give, let me give an example that we did uh, for one of my um, organizing actions here in DC. Um, we advocate for, for, for education equity. And, and so, um, was it one year we were looking to increase the, the city's budget on education. And so um, what we did is we, 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 we did, we expanded our network. We got it. You know, our core group, we, we talked to our neighbors, talked to our friends, talked to our students and expanded that circle as big as possible because knew this is something that wasn't going to be something where just, to, you know, the 10 of us are going to make that change. That was, but if we increase it to hundreds of people, then yes, we will be able to do something about it. And, and I think, you know, one actually, so we did the research, we found out like, all right, what was the needed um, dollar amount that we needed to increase the budget for? What were some of the things that we needed to um, increase, you know, who are the people we needed to chat with, the research action items, you know, we chatted a lot, whether it was the council members or, um, and, and we came up with a public action in which um, we, we called, we called all the council members because they were the ones who had the power to vote on the budget. So we called all, all the council members and I kid you not, we, we called so many times that we kind of, we ended up, um, you know, filling up all their answering machines. There was no, we, <laughs> After like the hundredth call, there was no more. Uh, you know, each of them, they all their messages were filled by us. We we really shut down their phone system because we wanted the demand saying, "You're going to listen to us one way or the other, or else you ain't going to listen to anyone else." Because we believe education funding is important, and we were very happy through coalition working with other groups who are part of that action to to make that change uh, to get additional funding for education. And so those are some things that that can be done. And 
Um, and even though that was in a more in the municipal area in, in here in DC, uh, not necessarily on the campus, but I think those are just some things that that can happen. That you know, if it's happening in in this in the local city, it can also happen on your college campus as well. And I think that's that's the thing that that. It, it gives you the opportunity for students to make that decision themselves. It, you, 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 there's no like one set of action you need to do in order to make that make those changes. You have many options and many opinions, and this is why having that diversity of thought, diversity of viewpoints in there, because someone may come up with a solution you you may have not thought of and thought that's a great idea. Let's use that, and I think that's that also helps out too in regards to you know in case this is a long session. This is a long, you know, advocacy season in order to make something make change. Um, that you really that you have other people because your coalition is so large. You have other people replacing folks in case there's burnout. You have other people who are able to take in it during the season in case you may be busy. Maybe saying, "Well, it's midterm season for me," or I got something that's happened. I can't, you know, be be a major player in this in this action. Then you have someone else who's ready to take and say, "No, I, I got your back." You know, I'll take I'll take the the leadership mantle here in this area and be able to run with it. And I think that's the case there in regards to in in, in the case of these issues of, of how you could be successful in making action making uh, making change. Yeah, I'll, I'll just speak. You know, high level. Um, a personal example of advocacy. You know, as as a as a man of color, a black man. You know, it's it's nuanced because I could I can recognize historically how. My racial identity might be disenfranchised, but I can also recognize that my gender identity, identity historically has been always been empowered, always been represented, right? So on a personal level of advocacy is thinking about where are the moments where I might have an inherent privilege, I might have an inherent advantage, and how do I extend that to folks who might not? So for me personally, it's making sure that when I go into meetings with um, women-identified colleagues, that if they have a great idea that no one acknowledges, that I circle back and I say, hey, she had a really good idea. Right. Or that I take the opportunity to say, like, hey, she would be really great to work on this project if I notice that despite sharing her really great idea, for whatever reason, she wasn't selected to choose that that selected to work on that project. So for me, it's about thinking about the day to day interactions where I might have an advantage and how I can use that advantage to level the playing field for someone else. It doesn't always have to be something tremendous, but like we were saying in our conversation a, a couple of uh, minutes ago here on episode three, it is about thinking, taking those intentional steps for actions you can make every day as an individual. Um, to the thought of advocacy burnout, I think, you know, it can, your, your energy and momentum in the space will come in waves um, because we are not automatons, we're not robots. So growing, growing weary does not mean that you are not being successful, right? I mean, it's important to take care of yourself. It's important to check out and maybe check in with how you are and how you are feeling, right? Um, but it's also important to recognize that you are in a marathon and not a sprint. So some of the systems or things that you might be trying to dismantle may very well have existed hundreds of years before you, you know, made it to the space, made it to the campus, made it to the planet. So it's about recognizing that I won't see change in, in my four years, maybe. But if I continue to work in a, with others in tandem to address these things, it's my hope that by the time my, my time at this campus ends, that I would have at least seen some sustainable strides to the change I would love to see eventually. So thinking, going back to part of what Manny was exploring earlier, and I think this is, since it's very relevant to where we are at, is the idea of the 
ally piece and how we're advocating for others, but then also noticing that as students, you're in the landscape of higher education. And as students, we, for us to be allies and to build coalitions, we need to be advocating, collaborating, and educating in many ways. How would you suggest, see, or encourage our members to really take on the responsibility of building coalition, being those allies, and then advocating for, advocating, collaborating, and educating as they can? Yeah, I mean, I can give a, like a, I guess, a quick overview. I think an ally is willing to partner with folks to bring something to fruition. They don't do it on behalf, right? So an ally is not a savior. Um, so if you're a member of Omicron Delta Kappa, like the organization is going to have a variety of identities already present. Um, and, it, and it is the opportunity and the choice to say, hey, you know, our members might not be affected by this particular thing, but they're members of our campus community who might be, right? And if we recognize that this thing is not right, this thing is problematic, this thing is not ideal, how can we just go to that group that is affected to say, hey, we want to learn from you, we want to do this with you, and we're committed to standing with you through this process, right? And it, so it's more about, for me, allyship is more about sustained civic engagement and less about one-off volunteer engagements, right? And it really is about building that relationship, it's about building trust, um, it's about being consistent, and it's about, again, addressing that root cause of an issue and saying, I don't have to be affected by this issue to recognize that it's wrong and that it affects someone else. Um, I, in a lot of ways, folks, I, I think sometimes students might forget that they're, they're allies to each other in lots of ways. Um, you demonstrate allyship similarly when you're trying to navigate a group project. Um, maybe you're trying to navigate a group project and you're, you're approaching a deadline. Um, it's that same spirit of collaboration. It's that same spirit of teamwork. It's that same spirit of like delegation and then coming back together to, to make a greater whole or a greater project that we really want you to capitalize here. Um, so being an ally, doesn't, again, doesn't necessarily have to be the huge demonstration or the huge protest, but it, again, it's about the ways in which I consistently and intentionally partner with someone to make the change that we're looking to see. No, that's outstanding, Brandon. I totally agree with that. And I think the one, one big piece to remember about being an ally is that, is that being an ally is not the savior of, of the project or, or of the campaign. It's not. It's not. An ally is saying, how can we help you? How can we we'd be of an assistant to you and, and yield to whoever's the leaders of, these or, of this organizing action to be able to direct. And that makes a great ally. And let me just say is that when it comes to, to coalitions, having, having that assistance from allies is so incredibly helpful and, and it's so meaningful as well. And so whether circles say, you know, we're willing to be an ally to, to, to this group that's trying to, you know, cha make change in this area in regard, you know, in, in, in this campaign to bring in more minority professors in our, in our campuses or try to get you know, rid of this policy that's harming a group of students. You know, it's, it's, it's showing that you know, one, you care, and two, it shows that you know, we're willing to help out. We're willing, you know, if it means for us just to sign a, a petition, it means for us to make phone calls, it means for us to um, you know, get more, you know, talk to our friends and bring more people into this coalition, you know, it's perfect. And so I think, I think one thing that make, one thing though that I think it's very important also uh, for the organizers uh, of this change is just to be it's just to let the allies know what you're asking them for. I think just just be clear on it because sometimes folks may not know, something they may not know, and so they they may be like, oh, I don't know if I have to do more, or uh, I don't know what else I can do. So I think just letting them know like this is what we really need your help in, and this would be great, and let them know that that's all. And then I think you know, and if an ally is truly 
and ally, they'll understand. It's like, if that's all you need from us, wonderful. We'll gladly, we'll gladly uh, be a part of this. And I think, I think that's, I think that's a key thing here in regards to allyship. We're going to take another quick break and we'll be back with Brandon Bell and Manny Cadillo. College is an experience of milestones and memories which need to be celebrated. Tribute makes it easy to create a personalized video to celebrate your achievement. Simply invite your friends, collect their videos, and build your tribute. Learn more at studenttribute.com forward slash ODK. We're talking with Brandon Bell and Manny Cadillo about advocating for change. Thinking about this from the global perspective of students are like, okay, so I've learned all about this, or I'm beginning to have this conversation, don't know where to take it. Maybe what's one or two things that we're noticing in higher education that um, might need a little more effort from the student side of the house for advocating for the student experience or the collegial environment? What would you suggest to students to start looking at or evaluating um, as they work to build coalition to make change? That's a, that's a good question, Stephen, and it's kind of a hot take, but um, I think I'm going to, uh, or it could be, which you get, could get would be a hot take. Um, I, I think all students should just hold each other accountable to actually creating safe spaces to learn. Um, and I think that that's something that we kind of forget. Like, it's, it's one thing to have a curriculum and space that benefits me. It's another thing that has a, a curriculum and a space that will benefit Manny and Steven and Tim and Tara, right? You know, it's really about being accountable to saying like, just because it's working for me, what's my role in making sure that it works for as many folks as possible, right? And, and you could be of any background, of any experience, um, of any identity group and, and play a role in making sure that you create safe spaces for folks to learn and grow. Um, the other thing that I would really encourage students to think about is really the ways in which they, they prompt each other to be responsible citizens. And I think it is, I think sometimes students, you know, haven't been in, in higher education in a past life. I think sometimes students forget that we're not only interested in making sure you get good grades, we love it when you get great jobs, but we really wanna make sure that you're transformed as a person and that you feel as though you came to college and you had a, a set of experiences that really help you become a more engaged citizen. Um, so allyship and adv advocacy in the broadest sense fits under that auspice but I would encourage students to not treat higher education as a vacation, but really to treat it as a transformational experience, right? And, and hold each other accountable to, to really promoting the changes in which they, they say they want to see. Definitely, I agree. I agree. And I think when it comes to trying to make, trying to make those changes on, on the campus, there's, there's each action you know, leads to a reaction. And I think that's, and I think if you're, if, if students are interested in making a change, you got to know what's, what's the impact that they want to make. You know, there's one where it's just getting recognized where the administrators or, or whoever's the carrier of the levers of power would just say, oh, you're just, okay, we recognize you, you exist, wonderful. We have to, you know, but there's also another level of being on the table, you know, just wonderful, I'm part of a task force. But is that enough? Uh, the other one is make, being able to make the demand. So not just you're, you're, not the, you're not just on the table, but you actually have a, a voice and you're actually making people move. You know, you, you know, people actually are like, oh, OK, OK, we get it. We understand. Well, we see we see what's going on. We'll make the change. And I think the fourth level, I think that's another thing to look what impact you want to make is that you want to be in that accountability level where you're not just keeping each other accountable. but you are also keeping uh, those administrators accountable if they say that you're going to make an action. You gotta make sure that, that they follow through. 
And I think that's that's one thing to look at in regards to impact when, when students are working with coalition and making changes is that what is the direct impact you want to make? Because there's you know various things you could do. And sometimes, you know, is it you just want to get recognized and say, okay, we exist, or or we want to get to a level where where the where the administration said we're gonna do something, and then you're saying, yeah, but that's not it. We're gonna make sure you do it, we're gonna keep you accountable to it and have that power to the point where they're like, okay. We understand that that when these students, so then, so then what happens is that when once that power action, once these actions and impact happen, you know they'll look at you now. They'll look at you very differently. They'll say, "Okay, we we know we can hear from you. We know that you can bring in coalitions. You know you can bring in people together to uh, make a change." And and and, we'll, and 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 we know that. And so I think that's something in regards to what students are looking for in regards to the impact and change they want to make. Now, granted, it's it's not easy. Uh, it's not easy at all. Um, this whole journey, even looking to oneself, to working with others to, to create change isn't easy. And, and we need to recognize that. It's not. It's a growing process. And there are things that, that, that maybe we'll start or even be in the middle of, but we won't see their completion. And we, and we, and we you know, because we're sometimes in, in universities for maybe four years or, 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 or less than that, or even or six years, you know, sometimes uh, depending. And so um, we need to recognize that, that sometimes, you know, we may not see the end of of the completion of it, but at least we played a role on it. We can leave campus not just with a degree, but say that, you know what, I made a, I played a role in, in shaping the culture and the culture and traditions and the policies of, of this campus. So I think that's there's things to look at, but I think it's like what's your impact you want to make? And, I, and that's the thing I want uh, that's a question I leave out for the students to to decide. For me, I guess one one concrete action that I would encourage folks who want to advocate for change is to educate yourself. Um, pretty thoroughly about the, you know, the issue or experience you're trying to address. Um, it's really, I think it's really important to recognize that we're always learning and growing. You could be really passionate about an issue, but not really have the full scope or understanding of the issue and the, and the implications it might have, right? Um, so we gave some examples earlier, earlier where we're talking about policy. If you're really trying to advocate the change of policy, do your due diligence to understand all of the other policies that work in tandem with it. And what you will find oftentimes is that it's a system of things you're trying to change, not necessarily one particular line item or one particular um, entry in a policy book, right? So, so it kind of goes back to the idea of the root cause. As you become more educated about what you're trying to change, you might be able to more strategically figure out where to start. Um, and when you have a strategic start, it helps mitigate burnout and it helps you have a more concerted effort during your tenure on your campus. Well, I have to say that I've really enjoyed spending time with you in both part one and in part two about our role in deconstructing bias, as well as how we are advocating for change. And change starts with us. Change starts with the conversations we have, the action steps we take, and the actual process in which we endure. So... Thank you for listening. Thanks for being a part of this journey with Manny, Brandon, and myself. And we hope that you will continue listening to us as we continue on this journey called Listen Up, ODK Leaders. Thank you for being here, and we will be together again soon. Listen Up, ODK Leaders is a production of Omicron Delta Kappa, the National Leadership Honor Society. Our program was produced by Tim Reed, recorded and edited by Eric Wilkin. Our hosts are Stephen Dominey and Tim Reed. Our production team includes Lottie Page, Danielle Klobe, Elena Stubbs, and Katie Datz. Special thanks to Amy Newman for our logo 
and to all the staff at the ODK National Headquarters for their amazing support of our members. To learn more about our society, go to www.odk.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. ODK members should join us on our LinkedIn groups.